Hi, I'm your host, Amy Frena. For over 30 years, Care Credit has been enabling people just like you to get the care, procedure, or surgery that they want or need when they want it and how they want it. Behind the thousands of amazing testimonials we receive from our cardholders are the dedicated providers and healthcare workers who make these stories possible. We are giving you exclusive access to these well-respected and renowned care experts who are all part of our Care Credit Network and asking them to share the information and answers that can help you make informed decisions about your health, wellness, and personal care. We are talking about rhinoplasty or nose reshaping, the most common facial plastic surgery procedure performed. And joining us is Dr. Michael Nicoli, a renowned double board certified plastic and otolaryngology surgeon. Dr. Nicoli is the founder and medical director of Cosmedicare Plastic Surgery and Med Spa in Newport Beach, California. Selected by the Consumers Research Council of America as one of the top plastic surgeons, Dr. Nicoli is also very dedicated to giving back. For over 30 years, his Magic Mirror Foundation has provided no-cost cosmetic and reconstructive surgery to thousands of patients in need. Dr. Nicoli, great to see you. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Nice we're to see you. We're happy to have you. And today we're talking about one of your absolute favorite subjects, rhinoplasty. Oh, you're right. It sure is. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get into that, we wanted to learn a little bit about you personally. Um, if you couldn't be a plastic surgeon, what would you be? Probably a veterinarian. Okay. Uh, it's still in the aspect of medicine and uh, all our lives. I mean, from as far back as I can remember, we had horses and we had always at least two to three dogs. We had ragdoll cats and birds and macaws. I mean, so we, we love animals in our family. So. Which one's your favorite? My favorite is probably a dog because they're so lovable. Mm -hmm. You know, I put my kids in the trunk of my car and I come back in in four hours and they beat the heck out of me. <laughs> uh, I put a dog in the trunk for a day and I come out and he licks me to death. Yeah. I'm just being funny, but <laughs> I, I love dogs. I really love dogs. Awesome. What would you say is the best piece of advice you've ever received and why? Well, I... I have a tendency to have a little ADD and I'm always trying to get into this business or that business and uh, be able to retire and be an entrepreneurial and focus. My old pa used to tell me, son, if you ever focused, you'd have all the money and all the houses and everything you wanted in life, but you're always getting off onto these tangents. So probably the most crucial advice I've ever had that stuck with me and to this day now I've, I've learned my lesson is focus. Focus on medicine, stick to plastic surgery or some aspect of medicine and that's what I'm doing. Awesome. What about your favorite food? My favorite food is no question Italian. I okay. grew up in an Italian family. My father was Italian, my mother was French, but most of the dishes were Italian. My grandmother to my aunts to my mother were Excellent chefs, excellent cooks, and mm. taught me everything I know about Italian food. What's your favorite dish? Like, what's like the family dish? Our family dish is just plain spaghetti and meatballs. Okay. But uh, once in a while, I'll go cheat and have osambuco. But my daughter is a vegetarian, so I have to make sure she's not home. So <laughs> she she gets on pop for eating healthy. So. Right. And she has her master's in health and nutrition, okay. so I have to be cautious. <laughs> Tread lightly. I like it. What's your favorite thing to do on your day off? My favorite day, favorite thing on my day off is probably spend time with my family and mm -hmm. reading new books. I love to read books. Okay. 
What is one thing you absolutely could not live without? My family. Same. And friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't live without them. No. I love them. I mean, if I didn't have any of that, it, you know, what do you want to, what's, what's the importance? What do you work for? What do you have money for? What do you have? Right. It's to enjoy your friends' enjoyment of what you give them. And so give them a lot of love and they give a lot of love back. So That's perfect. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your journey to plastic surgery and some of your credentials. Well, my journey started when I was, I wanted to be an attorney. So I, uh, I, went, I did poli-sci for two years and I just did not like it. Uh-uh. And I always have read, you know, war stories and how the uh, soldiers would come back and uh, were put together by these famous plastic surgeons. And right. that intrigued me. And mm-hmm. so at an early age, I started doing that. And, I treated animals around, you know, the neighborhood that uh-huh. were injured and stuff and nurtured little birds. I, I was always worried about animals. And okay. so uh, I don't know why I didn't become a veterinarian. But uh, <laughs> then I finally convinced my father into helping me. And he, he was very helpful. I mean, he didn't have we didn't have much money when we moved here from Boston. And so he, he worked. He was a workaholic and I have to admit, helped me a lot. Wonderful. I got through medical school. I went through Pepperdine undergraduate, then UCI medical school, uh, and then went on and uh, did a residency in uh, general surgery. And I didn't like general, so that was two years of. Well, you know, I learned a lot, but I didn't want to become a general surgeon. And then I okay. went into ear, nose, and throat, and did a lot of facelifts, noses, eyelids, and. I really loved it, and I said, well, what's two more years? Hey, Dad, two more years, and <laughs> you're going to become a professional student. Uh-huh. And I said, yeah, just two more years. That's, That's it, it, I swear. So two more years of plastics, and then went into practice, and right away started doing volunteer work uh, throughout the, uh, the country, and then South America, Central America, and uh, enjoyed those years uh, helping, you know, thousands of kids with cleft lips and palates and burns, and wow. really rewarding, and then... Uh, when I couldn't go down anymore because I was just too old and too busy, I, I started an organization about 25 years ago, the Magic Mirror Foundation, where we do uh, free surgery for uh, kids of domestic violence and uh, bullied kids, uh, breast cancer patients, and lots and lots of surgeries over the years. And wow. It's a nonprofit organization, and not one dime has ever gone to staff or myself. It's wow. all gone in. That's incredible. Towards the helping other people. Excellent. So that's a different, you know, I, I got a great practice where I make tons of money on surgery and then mm-hmm. I do the, my humanitarian. And the humanitarian, I have to tell you, it's like winning the lottery. You know, you, you help a kid that has a cliff lip in South America. And I'll never forget the day when I went to Mexico once. Uh, was it Mexico? Yeah. No, South America, Mexico. And this little girl, she was 14, she was supposed to have her cleft lip fixed and she didn't show up. So that was weird. So next three months later, I come back and the little girl's there. And I said, well, why didn't you come and had your cleft lip repaired last time? Well, it, it was 25 cents to get on the bus and we didn't have 25 cents. So it just, that right there said, wow, it's worth you know all the money I make at home and stuff. This is a different part yes. of my life. So it was... And that family, the father was and mother were so appreciative, and they they wanted to give me a chicken, an actual chicken. I said, "What the wow. heck am I going to do with a chicken?" <laughs> Bring it back. And they said, "You don't understand that. To them, oh, that chicken's like a everything. car." Oh, so I said, wonderful. "I'll tell them. I'll do my deal. I'll be back tonight, 
and if they'll cook it for me, I'll eat the chicken in their honor. And so we did that, and it was, it was an experience. But story after story like that. So it was, it was a rewarding part of my life doing volunteer work in, uh, you know, third world countries. So absolutely incredible. Yep. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about rhinoplasty. First and foremost, what is it, and what um, can the procedure treat or correct? Well, there, you know, there's two kinds of rhinoplasties. There's okay. the rhinoplasties that are just strictly cosmetic, mm-hmm. which are the fun and easy ones because okay. their recovery is easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's the NSR, nasal septal reconstruction, where the patient okay. has problems breathing or has sinus problems, and you have to go inside and, mm-hmm. and straighten out the crookedness and the enlarged turbinates, which are the filtering system of the nose. So the majority of what I do today is still cosmetic, mostly cosmetic. Even the ones that have reconstructive, I still do cosmetic. And the challenge to that is that, like so many surgeries, liposuction is liposuction. Breast hog is a breast hog. It's very similar. Where on a a rhinoplasty, it's more architectural. You have to look at the face. uh, How far is the eyes? How how large are the cheeks? How big are the lips? How long is the face? So you have to sculpture it's more creative. I have to sculpture that nose to make sure it matches that face. Right. So it's it's more challenging and fun for me. I bet. I bet. What makes someone a good candidate? Somebody that's a good candidate that's like any surgery, any cosmetic surgery, mm-hmm. if uh, their realistic expectation okay. is bright. Mm-hmm. You know, Dr. Nicole, I got this big hump on my nose and I just don't like it. It just makes me, it kind of embarrasses me sometimes. So in photographs, I don't like it. But, I mean, I know I could live with forever without it, but if you could fix it, it really, I think, I'd feel good about it. Versus the patient that comes in and says, you know, oh, man, I know I can have, you know, a new girlfriend or uh, I'll be able to become president of my class if I have a rhinoplasty. Well, that's the wrong patient to do. The right patient is somebody that's working, going to school, that likes themselves, but just wants a a little better self-image of themselves. Great candidates. Excellent. What is the average cost of a rhinoplasty surgery? In Orange County, Southern California, uh, the average cost runs from about seven to $10,000. Okay. Uh, you go, like I said, one of my friends is a plastic surgeon from Alabama and he charges around 5,000. So different areas, mm-hmm. both surgeons, phenomenal surgeons, but because of the geographic area, you're gonna get more Beverly Hills or probably charging somewhere around 15,000. Wow. So uh, not only the experience of the surgeon, but the area, the geographic area you're in will vary in the prices. Okay. Are there circumstances where rhinoplasty might actually be covered by insurance? Yes, uh, there are. If you have trauma, mm-hmm. uh, we do a lot of uh, PI, personal injury, uh, with attorneys that they're involved in an automobile accident mm-hmm. and they'll pay for it. A patient that has airway problems and have a decent insurance, okay. uh, they'll pay for airway problems. Cosmetic, they will not pay for. Okay. So the patient will have to pay an additional for the aesthetic part of the procedure. Okay, and to piggyback that, are there payment options that are available for patients interested in having the procedure but maybe don't have all the money up front? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we've been dealing with care credit now for as long as I can remember it. And a lot of people have come in and out of the business, but you know, care credit's been there for years for us. And we 
tell the patient about the application. They go on their phone and they can, and it's so simple. They, they awesome. do it on the phone and half of the times they're already got their acceptance prior to coming to the office. So it makes it a lot easier than the old days. Now right. we can't do it for them, but mm -hmm. they do it for themselves. I mean, it's, it's been a godsend for us. I mean, it's been so helpful, especially for our younger surgeons that are, right. uh, have patients that don't have the money. Right. So it's, okay. it's been a great relationship there. I'm happy to hear it. <laughs> so what should a patient look for in a rhinoplasty surgeon? There's so many. Well, it's like any specialty. Uh, what, if you're going to have your heart done, you want to go to a board-certified cardiovascular surgeon. Right. If you're going to have your cosmetic surgery done on your face, you want to go to a good board-certified plastic surgeon. Right. Uh, board-certified by the American Society of Plastic Surgeons. Now, ENT doctors also have their own boards, and they do noses too. So if I was to have a nose, I would... I would probably want either a board-certified plastic and plastic surgeon by the American Society of Plastic Surgeons or a good board-certified ENT surgeon. Okay. So they both do them. Okay. Excellent. Are there any specific questions that the patient should ask in that initial consultation? I, I personally think that the rhinoplasty is one of the more difficult operations there is in plastic surgery. And I, because it's so delicate surgery. And I've, I've done a lot of redos, secondaries, ter tertiaries, because surgeons aren't experienced. And, and huh. you can get away with a little liposuction if you don't have a lot of training, but to do a nose, I think you, you really need the certification and the training because I've, it, it's, a, it is a, it's, it's an easy surgery for me because I've been doing it for 35 years, but right. for a young surgeon to get out there and do a rhinoplasty, uh, it's not that easy. And if I was a patient, I'd wanna make sure my surgeon was board certified, okay. not board certified in dermatology, not right. board certified in other specialties, ENT, plastic surgery. And, and again, watch these ads that say, hey, I can do your nose, I do beautiful work, I'm board certified. Eh. Ring, should ring a bell, board certified in what? Okay. Uh, as a veterinarian or, you know, a dentist? You know, today dentists are doing noses, so you have to be cautious. Uh, I think you'd want to go in that office prepared. You'd want to go on that doctor's website. Okay. After you've figured out he's board certified, he's well-trained, and he doesn't have a, a lot of bad things that people talk about on the internet, mm -hmm. go to Skype and if he hasn't got a lot of bad things said about him, then go in and introduce yourself. Go in the office. See what the environment is. Is, mm -hmm. is this the office that I feel that would take care of me? Show right. me a bunch of pictures, doctor. Have you done? These are your patients. Now, this isn't right. Joe Blow's patient. And show me what I could look like. We have animation capability now to show you what you could look before and after. So the whole key, do your homework. All right. Have some knowledge before you walk in the door. Absolutely. Sure. Okay. What are some of the risks or the complications that are associated with rhinoplasty? Well, immediate risk, like you could have some bleeding and stuff and mm -hmm. require to go back to surgery, but that's pretty rare. I can't, okay. I can't remember going back to, to take care of a bleeding uh, problem in 10 years. I don't remember. Uh, so that's pretty rare. Maybe in an inexperienced surgeon, you might run across that, but it's okay. pretty rare. I think probably the biggest problem in rhinoplastic surgery, because it is such a difficult and delicate surgery that the patients, uh, you did, they didn't meet their expectation. 
So that's why I think they really, really should go. Of all the surgeries, that's probably one they should really do their homework and look at the surgeon's work. You say you're a good surgeon, show me 25 surgeries that you've done, not somebody else. (laughs) And so do your homework, make sure they're board certified, check friends. How many friends have gone to that surgeon? Mm -hmm. I'd say 25% of the patients come up to me say, oh, you did so-and-so, you did so-and-so. But that's the advantage of being in practice for, you know, 35 years when you have that, that capability. So just all I can say is do your homework. Okay, good to know. What should a patient do to prepare for this type of surgery? Well, prepare is number one, do your homework, mm-hmm. go online, do make sure your surgeon's prepared uh, and has done a lot of surgeries, okay. at least a couple a week for the last five or 10 years. Okay. Uh, look at his work and then prepare yourself that you're gonna have a little cast on for probably about seven days. Okay, good Maybe a little packing in your nose for one to two days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that you can't go to the gym, you can't go roughhousing for probably close to a month. Okay. But it's one of the easier operation pain-wise. I mean, mm. there's not a lot of pain when you just do the cosmetic aspect of the nose. Interesting. If you do the rotor-rooter job where you're, you have breathing problems, right. that's a little more discomforting. Okay. A little bigger operation. The okay. recovery is a little longer, but not that bad. So have your house in order before surgery day. Absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, so tell us how the procedure's performed. There's basically, when I first trained, there were what's called closed rhinoplasty. So all the incisions were done inside of the nose, no scars on the outside. Today, with newer surgeons and a lot of surgeons coming out of medical school, they're doing what's called an open rhinoplasty, where they make a little incision at the base of the columella here, this little thing, Mm -hmm. and then they flip the skin up. And for for an, an... A new surgeon, I think that's the best way to do it because he sees exactly what he's doing and he can can make the tip, he can sculpture the tip a lot better. And I'd say about today, even though when I first started training for the first probably 10 years, 15 years, I did closed rhinoplasties. Today, Mm -hmm. the majority of mine are open rhinoplasties. So I I can just sculpture the nose a little better by an open. And the scar's minimal. Very seldom do you see a patient complain. So you go down there and you, you know, file the top of the nose and then you narrow the nose, what's called fracture. You fracture to narrow the nose. You make the tip a little more delicate mm-hmm. by suturing the what's called the domes here. Put a stitch across there to make it more delicate. Okay. And again, <clears throat> the one thing I like about rhinoplasties is if you have a long skinny face, well, I, I don't want a little pug nose. It, right. it wouldn't look normal. Mm-hmm. If you got a big round face, you don't want a real skinny nose. Right. So you really have to make sure your surgeon knows that. And, mm-hmm. and you ask those questions. What would you do with my face? What would you do with somebody that has a longer face? Mm-hmm. And he should be able to answer that quickly. Okay. And do they, do you stitch it up and, and you're done? Or yeah. How does, yeah. You how have does to, and it's not many sutures. Okay. I mean, there's a little suture across the base here. Do you have to go back and get the stitches out? Or yeah, you, you, you do have to get them. Now, the ones on the inside are chromic. They, they absorb on their own. But on the base of the columella, you have to take those out. Now, some okay. surgeons might use a, an absorbing stitch there. But okay. I don't, just in case they rub their nose and they could break that suture. Right. I don't want that to happen. No, no. So what can the patient expect to experience during the rhinoplasty recovery? Well, they'll have a packing in one or two days. Mm-hmm. That comes out, and that's pretty easy. 
they'll have a little splint on, a little cast, okay. and that's usually on for seven days. Okay. <clears throat> and when that comes off, you pretty much see what you're going to get. Okay. Now, you'll still have some swelling, mm-hmm. and that can last up to six months. Okay. But I tell that's a patient, nice. if you come out of surgery and you love your nose or you like your nose, you're going to love it in six months. If you don't like it, mm, then we may have a problem and we may have to discuss it because sometimes I make that nose as narrow and thin as I can. But if you've got real thick, oily skin, mm-hmm. you can't make that nose petite. You can improve on it, but you can't make it. And that's why the communication with the patient is so crucial. Be honest with the patient. You know, if they come in thinking they're going to have a little pretty nose like yours and they got one like mine, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So you have to be honest with the patient and tell them, you've got thick skin. I, I can make it as thin as I can, but it probably won't be as thin as you and I would like it to be. Right. And so... Okay, so in the unfortunate event that someone is unhappy with the outcome, what options are available? Well, I mean, if it's something, if you're an honest surgeon and you look at it and you say, I've done the best I can and there's no way I can make it any narrower, then you have to communicate that with the patient. But if it's something that you can correct or something that you can improve on, you have to be honest with them and say, yes, we can do that, but unfortunately it may require a secondary operation. That's right. not, well, not that often in my practice mm-hmm. because like, like I said, I've been doing it for 35 years, but I do a lot of secondary rhinos. And I'm not one of those guys that are bad, I never badmouth anybody, it's not appropriate. I'll try to send that patient back to their original surgeon if they want okay. and say, because the cost is gonna be zero. Where the cost for me, if I didn't do it, it's going to cost you. Right. So I try to encourage them if they're board certified and they're a good surgeon, mm-hmm. go back to your original surgeon and tell them. Right. And if, if he doesn't want to do anything or if you're discontent, then come back and we'll talk some more. Good to know. But it's just a professionalism I think you have to maintain in the industry. Okay. You kind of touched on this as well. So when should a patient see the final results after having a rhinoplasty surgery? Probably six months, okay. but I'm telling you, right away when you take the cast off, you kind of know what that nose is going to look like, and they okay. see it right away. I bet, and uh, they're thrilled. I mean, they're pretty <laughs> happy. And don't forget that cast has been on for a week. So when you take that cast off right away, it looks really good. Mm-hmm. In about a week, it starts to swell up right. a little, and I tell them that. Don't forget, it's going to go in this face you're not gonna you're gonna love it when the cast comes on you may not like it so much in about three to four or five weeks but in about four to five six months you're gonna love it again i hear a lot about a deviated septum what is that and how is it fixed okay you have a right side of the face and a left side of the face you have a left side of the nose and a right side of the nose and what divides the nose is this little cartilage in the center here and that's called a septum from trauma from trauma from birth coming out of the vault There's many reasons that the septum can be deviated and obstruct one side of the nose and obstruct the airway. The airway is so crucial. When you get up in the morning and you blow your nose, what's all that goop in there? That's debris from the atmosphere. If you can't breathe out of your nose, you can't capture that debris. So it goes into your lungs. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe one of the reasons we see so much lung cancer in non-smokers. So the nose is extremely important. So when you have problems breathing, it's either your septum 
or your turbinates. And the turbinates are the filtering system of the nose, just like the filtering system of an air conditioning. It'll trap all the debris. And when you blow your nose again, that's the crucial and importance of the nose. So the debris doesn't go through your lungs. And how is it fixed? How are those fixed? Well, in an experienced surgeon, I think uh, you, you have to go inside of the nose. You can't see those scars and you elevate the skin off the mucosa, it's called, off of the septum, because the septum is cartilage. Okay. And then you take that cartilage and you cut it up or sculpture it so it comes back into the center. So now you don't have a septum that's crooked and obstructing one side, it becomes straight. Mm -hmm. And so that's the septum. Now the turbinates are the filtering system of the nose. If you have a patient that has a lot of allergies, for whatever reason, dust, pollen, whatever. They can get so engorged, they'll obstruct the entire airway. So that, and you need them. They're a functioning part of the nose. Right. Like I say, it captures all the debris. So you go in there and you do what's called a submucous resection. You can trim those turbinates down. So mm -hmm. instead of filling up the whole airway, it will only fill up 30 or 40% of the airway. Got it. So it still functions. It's a very important part of the nose. So you just repair them basically. Okay. All right, Dr. Nicoli, well, thank you so much for your time and your insight. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. We learned a lot about rhinoplasty from one of the country's leading plastic surgeons. If you are considering this procedure, we hope we've provided information that can help you decide if you want to take the next step and schedule a consultation. Remember, Care Credit is a leading national healthcare credit card that can enable you to get many of the surgeries, procedures, and treatments you want now and pay over time with everyday promotional financing on purchases of $200 or more. Care Credit can also be used to pay for co-pays, co-insurance, deductibles, and your health and wellness needs. Care Credit is accepted at hundreds of thousands of locations nationwide to pay for care whenever you need and want it. If you are interested in applying for a Care Credit credit card or would like to find a provider in your area who accepts Care Credit, visit us at carecredit.com. And if you found this information valuable, please leave us a five-star review on the App Store, a thumbs up, and share with a friend. I'm Amy Freina with Care Credit, and I'll see you soon. Thanks for joining us on Care Experts with Care Credit. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share with friends and family. And stay tuned for new episodes every week. This content is subject to change without notice and offered for informational use only. You are urged to consult with your individual advisors with respect to any information presented. Synchrony and any of its affiliates, including Care Credit, collectively Synchrony, makes no representations or warranties regarding this content and accepts no liability for loss or harm arising from the use of information provided. All statements and opinions in Care Experts with Care Credit are the sole opinions of the guest. Your receipt of this material constitutes your acceptance of these terms and conditions.